I was trolling some people in Singapore actually the other day. So that was kind of fun. They were going for a run and I was like, Hey, enjoy your run. Don't, don't drop any trash on the floor. They might throw you in jail. <laughs> Ray Bochman, that was right. I think so. Ray Bochman is going places. He's going to all the events. He's, he's at Adobe, huh? He's a, I think yeah, he's now support architect. Um, Welcome to Mage Talk. This is episode 233, and my name is Willem. Yeah. That was, that, that was, that sounded extraordinarily professional. Like very, very slow, calm, confident. I like it. And the day today is the 24th oh, yeah. of August. You're so big on this date thing, man. It's so strange to me, but I'm into it, man. It's all good. It's all good. It gives a little bit of context that it's been one week since we last talked. Right. A lot has happened. Meet Magento Singapore is this week. And yeah. Meet Magento New York is in exactly one month time. Oh, that's nice, man. Um... All right, so I had an idea for, uh, no, I don't know if I want to run that by you. No, I'm not going to run it by you. Um, I started, I, I did a little bit of, uh, I've been a little more active with the Mage Talk account as of late. And um, I've noticed. Good, 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 good. And um, I was trolling some people in Singapore, actually, the other day. So that was kind of fun. Um. They were, um, yeah, they were going for a run and I was like, Hey, enjoy your run. Don't, don't drop any trash on the floor. They might throw you in jail. <laughs> Ray Bochman, that was right. I think so. Ray Bochman is going places. He's going to all the events. He's, he's at Adobe, huh? He's a, I think yeah, he's now I support architect. Um, is it safe to say, this just occurred to me, is it safe to say that the Netherlands is now the, the epicenter of the Magento community? Your thoughts? Epicenter, epicenter in a good way or in a bad way? In a good way. Epicenter is always a good way. I, I do, joking. I I do have the feeling, well, I'm going to try to, to get something, <laughs> something that makes sense out of anything you say. Um, let's say something sensible there. Uh, I think um, the, the, the community spirit or the open source spirit at the moment is strongest in Europe and Asia and less in the US. It, I think it's still yeah. strong, but it's all, I mean, the whole, uh, all the hackathons and all the contributions were always um very strong in europe um mm -hmm. and uh, i think that's one of the reasons why uva catched on quite well here in in the netherlands germany the uk yeah. and france um that's yeah. really that was a uh, a good market for us to get started and and uh, grow fast and 
Yeah, I'm very I... curious. I'm very curious to get a feeling for how how things are in the U.S. It will be the first time uh, for a long time yeah. that I will go to the U.S. with with, with Magento New York, and. Um, uh, I've seen going to Meet Magento uh, London, UK, um, only then when you actually talk to the people and all the agency people come to you and share their enthusiasm and, and tell you what they've been doing with you. It's so much different than just answering emails all day. And so you know you have yeah. customers there, but to really feel this, feel the, the sparkle and, and the, the energy. Spark, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm super hopeful that the same happens in the U.S. if I go there, that uh, yeah. I need a lot of people that are just so into it. That'd be, that, that'd be that's cool. a big boost. Yeah, I think that I think that and it's funny, I've been talking to a lot of people recently. I've been, you know, thinking about what new business I'm going to do next. I've been talking to a bunch of people and um, and I've been talking to agency owners and it's like in the U.S., it's like people are people are people are there's something about Europe the um parts of Europe right there's there like Europe never was big in uh Magento co commercial licenses in the first place like that was much more a US thing so it's almost so so I think the open source um ethos community is has always been stronger in general in Europe um don't get me wrong we have some heavy hitters as well in the US but it's more commercialized here. So there's more partner ecosystem. And then a lot of agency owners here that were in the Magento, they've, they've, they've moved on uh, and, and they've diversified or moved on or, or both. Um, and they're like, hey man, listen, big commerce is going to let me get this site deployed for the customer at the right price, I'm in. You know, and it's a very uh, practical you know, decision. Um, so, you know, yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I think it's, um, and I'm sure that happens in Europe as well, but I think there's a little bit of a difference there. I, I don't see, Bic I see BigCommerce mostly in social media from U.S. people. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't see much traction in BigCommerce here in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But the same goes, I know there's more and more Shopify stores, but they're usually quite internationally focused. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the local, the local stores here um, that are more focused on the European market itself, mm -hmm. I don't see that many of those um, working with just Shopify because for a long time, localization was an issue, having multiple store views wasn't possible. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, just yeah, needed yeah. to like recreate your whole store in different languages. Yeah. Um, yeah. Integrations were lacking behind for a long time. So I think Shopify really conquered the, the U S uh, market. Um, and I'm sure they're doing great globally, but, um, the situation is, uh, like, um, it's much different in Europe. I think, uh, open source is, is stronger. Stronger hit so. Yeah, I think so. And and I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the Magento community and the future of it and things like that. And I think that um <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to somebody recently of um you know, when you talk to somebody who is part of the company, like it's very easy for me to criticize Adobe previous to Adobe, criticize Magento, the company. Um, but then when I talk to an individual, if I'm just thinking about the company as a whole, 
I don't think of it as a person. I think of it as a, a nameless, faceless entity. So it's very easy for me to criticize. But then if I talk to somebody who's there or was previously there, I go, well, this is a human being that's trying to figure things out. And then I go, you should calm down. But um, I think it's important to also just speak the truth. It, there's that balance, mm -hmm. right, between, you know, like the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Um, uh, I'm on this whole biblical reference rant theme as well, which is funny. But anyways, um, um, which me and Phil had in common. All you Europeans are all godless atheists, but that's, a, that's another, uh, <laughs> I that's love, another I love how Ricky Gervais... Uh, Ricky Gervais has the best, the best conversations on the topic. You, you yeah. probably know the one where, where he's, he has his interview and he says, this, there's a 999 God that people, uh, pray to in the world. And, uh, you believe in one, I, I believe in, in one less than you. Uh, I, I don't believe in 999 and you don't believe yeah. in 998 and, um, yeah, that's good. I mean, I respect, I, 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 res I think we should all respect whatever religion or belief people have. Yeah. I, I always like the expression what people say, um, um, what was it again? I think it's something, something you should, it's best to keep for yourself and not not try to push onto other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't. Um, yeah, um, I, I, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, and I, and I, I think about this a lot. Is I think that um, uh, there's no such thing as not having a religion. I think that we, what we see as like, and I'm going to tie this in to Magento stuff. <laughs> But what we see, like you see, as you see the growth of um, like the death of religion in the traditional sense over the last however many years, people develop their own groups and things and things they think. And some of them are pretty objectively, you go, that's kind of a weird idea. But people, whether it's diet, you know, whatever. And I think what's universal is people want to be in a group. And when you're in a group, we're in the group, we're on the team, you're on another team. And what you said about respecting each other is I think what it all comes down to. And, and the tie into the e-commerce ecosystem stuff is that these platform ecosystems are little mini religions, you know, hmm. um, Magento used to have a very strong, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, when, when everybody is fervent, like a fervent community, and everybody was doing it. It was all we were doing. We didn't have to look at other platforms. Now everybody's diversified. Um, and then, you know, like, like, you know, there's people that just do Shopify and they think Magento people are idiots or whatever. But I think just coming back to that thing about having respect. Anyway, the thing I was trying to say initially was that, what was I trying? Oh, oh yeah, the future of the open, uh, Magento uh, open source. So I think I feel more clearly than ever that Magento as a whole, in terms of Adobe Commerce, the commercial aspect, Adobe the company, the community, open source, the whole thing is, is in decline and is a mess as a whole. Um, there is, but, but here's the good news. The, there is a segment, the open source driven, what you're doing, uh, MageOS, um, 
that is probably smaller, obviously smaller businesses as compared to the, the you know, $100 million Adobe commerce clients or whatever. They're smaller. That is thriving, I think, is going to continue to grow and is going to have a really cool lifetime for a long-ass time. Um, and I think that's a big part of what you're a part of. And, and, and when, when we say small businesses, this could be, like you said, you want a hundred, you, you said you have a thousand stores, you want a hundred X that. And I don't think you're delusional. I, I, I suspect you're probably going to do it. Um, and so that, that could be a really great sized market, you know, and it doesn't have to be a trillion, a billion dollar market cap, a trillion dollar. It doesn't have to be, you know, there's no reason it has to be. It can be what it is and a great community where there's a lot of love, good vibes, cool work, cool projects, you know? So anyway, that's my whole rant on that. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that the community has shrunk, um, but it's, it's a logic side, logical side effect of having more platforms, um, but also um, technology evolving and um, Magento not being the, the one single tool that is available, but also not the one single tool that's best for every yeah. use case. And, um, and, by the, and by the way, like, like, like I was talking to somebody recently and, you know, people are very practical just because they've moved into another platform, right? And they're focusing on big commerce, let's say U.S. agents or whatever, right? Just because they've done that doesn't mean that you can't come in with a practical solution to their problem on Magento and, and have them use that, recommend that to a client, get a sale, maybe start to grow again. Like if the pie of the Magento has shrunk for a given agency or agencies in average, doesn't mean you can't start to re shrink it back, the reverse that shrinkage. And I think that's exactly what Hoover exactly. can do, right? It's, it's, ex it's an extremely practical solution um, that I think people can, you know, maybe it can solve a use case it's, and it can make Magento not yeah, overly I liked, expensive. Yeah. I liked it at some point, uh, John Pendergast, uh, from Aonok, I'm probably, I'm butchering both his personal name and his agency name, but he's from Ireland. Um, he, he has a, uh, small shop, like small agency. Uh, and, uh, he at some point, um, gave me the feedback that he went live with a, with a shop that normally would always have gone to Shopify. Right. Um, and, and that with the Huva offering. They did, they did two or three projects before they took on this client because then they felt comfortable to, um, to give a fixed price for a project that was really compatible, uh, competitive with a Shopify build. Right. Um, and he said, so thanks to Huva, we can bring back customers to Magento that right otherwise, otherwise right would there. have been going to other, other platforms. And I've heard and similar I'm, things. Yeah. 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 From other agencies that, that, uh, saw a lot of clients switching to, uh, for example, Shopware in, um, in Germany and one agency owner telling me like, well, um, we, we literally stopped the bleeding now that we have Hiva and we can do cheaper builds. So it's, we're not losing customers anymore. It's huge. At the end of the day, what. You see, everybody's on a spectrum of sort of like, there's the really super pure open source, 
they'll use Magento no matter what, right? Other, pe other people, hey, we got to make the bottom line work. We have to make this profitable. We have to be within a certain price point. Everybody's on a certain spectrum. I think the U.S. skews a little bit more towards the practicality. But at the end of the day, you know, if you can, if you can make it more affordable, which is exactly what you're doing, um, then, then people are going to be interested in that. I'm, cu I'm curious to know, uh, in the case of the person who went to Shopify and then went back, um, it's, it's interesting. Like why, like, I'm curious to know more about that. Like, like I would think once you go to Shopify, you're in that ecosystem, you don't have to worry about hosting, all that kind of stuff. Like what was the thought pro and then you start to reorient your agency, right? Like I was talking to somebody recently, when you're in the Shopify world, you want to do marketing, you want to do design. You don't want to focus so much on tech technical development. So I'm curious what that looked like a little bit. I know it's not a very clear question, but um, I think that um... migration is, is super interesting. Um, yeah, so I, I asked, I asked Joseph if he would hop onto a podcast with me and he said, I'll be happy to write on a showcase together with you, but I don't really feel comfortable. Um, yeah, 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 doing totally. recordings. Um, yeah, that makes but sense. He sent me, he sent me some information that I'm currently looking at, um, he did a 40 hour build. So that's, that's the week work. So that's, and it's, in, it's, a, with, I mean, with Hoover, it, with Hoover, or with Hoover. Yeah. So, okay. and it's, it's a, it's a low end build. So you have to imagine there's not a lot of customization that he did there, but it's, uh, I assume a merchant that is in a market where the product sells itself and you just need like the simplest UI to sell the product, like mm -hmm. show it, mm -hmm. put it in a cart and sell it. Um, and, um, I think with, with Shopify, you're, you're committing to a monthly payment. Um, and is it even a conversion rate that like, do you pay? Uh, I think you pay a percentage of your sale. I want to say you pay a percentage of your sales as well. Yeah, I think so. And it's the checkout, the checkout model, right? And they're, they're mm -hmm. really restricting what payment methods you can use. You don't own your card. You, it's 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 harder. And I think for for uh, SMEs, smaller smaller medium businesses, it's interesting to have a one time fee. And know kind of what the, totally. what upgrade cost. Of course, there's a, there's a cost of ownership with, that comes with Magento and security updates and such. But just knowing that you you've bought something that you own, yeah, and it's not like when you stop paying, it's gone. Um, yeah, I f I think that's that's an important one. Uh, at least in the European market, I think a lot of a lot yeah. of business owners are. are um, feel like they want to pay for something that they own and not just lease it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think in general, like, obviously, there's been a gigantic movement towards subscription payments um, in the last, I don't know, decade or two. But that, that pendulum is going to swing back and people are going to go just not even with e-commerce. I mean, even with 
personal monthly subscriptions. You know, people are going to go, I don't want to pay monthly for all this stuff. And that, I think that pendulum will swing back and forth every couple decades, you know? Yeah, I just recently saw uh, people doing a breakdown of the monthly costs on Shopify, and they showed that the cost of the extensions that they were paying monthly were right. uh, a couple of hundred bucks. They were right, much, much higher right, than the cost right. of Shopify itself. Right. Uh, and as soon as right. you start writing off 2,000 euros of extensions every month, it might be interesting to look in, into Magento where uh, you either buy your extension for one-time fee, but at least it's not bound to your revenue. Um, yeah. Of course, some of the but, extension vendors have gone to a subscription model, but it's still yeah. not, uh, it's not 2,000 euros a month uh, for a couple of extensions. That's what I was going to say is I feel like, you know, for example, if you're doing email, like, you know, you're, you're probably on Clavio or something like that, whether, whether, I don't know what the market's like in Europe, but like, I know, for example, in the Shopify world, you're probably, you know, you're on Clavio or you're on list track or something like that. Um, um, so in that sense though, those costs are kind of the same, whether, you're on Magento or Shopify because yeah, in theory, you could have an installed extension. That's not SaaS that does email marketing, but nobody, I mean, I don't think anybody does that, you know, or all of these major SaaS um, extensions that are starting mm -hmm. to have their own kind of ecosystems, whether it's for like email or um, shipping, shipping. Exactly. Like in that sense, those costs actually aren't really different from Magento to Shopify. No, no, but it's more like little functionalities that you would in Magento, you would, you would use a plugin uh, right, for right, different right, right, right. UI, UX things. Um, right, right, custom, right. Custom features in your, in your shop. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm generally, I'm curious where, where all of it is going. Um, you certainly you have a lean, good thing. I need you to lean into the microphone and say, I am corporate. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, I literally started laughing when I saw it. Yeah. You, so what do we, you, what do we got in the dock? So oh, sorry. People have to know what you're talking about. No day. I know. You I'm tweeted about, that I would. Yeah, yeah, someone yeah, yeah, yeah. would. Someone would. <laughs> uh, someone would get get on my back and and complain about things that I yeah. say on this podcast. But there's, yeah. there's there's no one that I I don't report to no one. Caleb. You don't report to anyone. That's the thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because that's people might um, stop telling me things at some point, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. they um, they might. They might regret letting me onto the Magento station board, um, <laughs> but at least I was invited in there. So that's a good, that's a better position. That's so there was the election where the community could vote for a person to, to get onto the board. And, uh, I, um, I, I aimed for the, for the second, the second round where a commission, uh, a committee would elect two members to get onto the board because that would be a vetting process where the current board would actually have to agree to the person getting on board of the right. of the association 
And for me, it right. felt because I, I think I, I might have some controversial thoughts and 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 uh, go against some of the things that the MA has been doing so far. That it felt like they need they needed to accept me on board, right? And right, like right, invite right, 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 me right. in instead of being stuck with me because the community voted me yeah, in. Yeah, that's like, a good point. I'm, I'm the unwanted. I'm the unwanted right. person there on the board. Right. No, um, that's a really that's a really good point. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that you paid them a little money under the table to to give you the position. Um, yeah, that always. That's always. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I just have the docker on my phone. I'm not looking. I'm I'm not just browsing TikTok while we're chatting. I just pulled up the um. Pulled up the doc. Talking about TikTok, how much how much time do you spend on TikTok? I probably spend, I try to spend like not more than an hour a day. Okay. But it's kind of my main, until I started doing real active Twitter trolling, which is starting to take more time. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of my, it be, it's become my main uh, social, social media as far as just browsing as a consumer. What 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 things do you consume? Because I had this discussion with with Philip on on Twitter. Where I made a joke. Um, uh, Philip mentioned the for you page, the FIP. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 yeah. The FIP yeah, yeah, yeah. and Brand Brand Peterson didn't know what it was, so I jokingly said it's <laughs> it's this uh, it's where girls in bikinis do dances on pop music uh, on Twitter, and uh, Philip Philip went on to. Um, um, taking conclusions out of that, that that I have trained my TikTok algorithm to show me bikini girls, okay. so it was very telling about my behavior. Yeah, which was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not what my actual feed looks like because I haven't, <laughs> I hadn't trained my my feed at all. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, so, so Philip, Philip, yeah. Philip trained me. He he taught me how to train the algorithm, and uh, apparently, it took me five minutes of telling TikTok that I don't need to see the dance videos, and yeah, now yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I only get uh, stand up comedians and um, yeah, yeah, and uh, Mac Harry Mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you're talking about Philip from View Storefront, or which <laughs> Jackson? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny how times have changed i want to call uh, him phil i want to call him phil but it, i know in he, my doesn't, head, he doesn't like that in my head because it, it's hard coded as as phil and i i have to purposely say philip every time but um but anyways it's the same um, for me yeah, yeah his I twitter actually, handles phil winkle and so it's so, so it's the most i've always confusing. felt he has no yeah. right correct he, he needs to change he his twitter no right. handle if he doesn't want to be called phil he has no right yeah um I'm actually super fascinated by the TikTok algorithm, and I, I think a lot about it. I think um, I saw somebody say that what one of the things they did to make it successful is they took uh, Facebook's uh, lookalike audience functionality for advertising targeting, and they baked it in to the to the entire uh, to the social network itself. So out of the box, it's doing lookalike targeting um, as as well as like behavior stuff. So like. I see nothing but like I see like funny stuff, stand up stuff, like dads doing stuff with their kids, parents doing funny stuff with their kids, like random, you know, 
um, goofy stuff like that. But yeah, the 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 um, the stereotype is it's just girls dancing, and and I'm sure there's a lot of that. But like, I think it also figures out like your age, and it puts you in a cohort, and then it and then it um it it buckets you in that way. So it's a lot of just goofy stuff. Um, the I've thing been... for me, the thing for me is that it's it always feels like a waste of time after I finish scrolling it for for an hour. Um, yep. But still, I'm drawn back to doing it. But it doesn't like, at least Twitter. Twitter is purely for for business use for me. I mean, it's it's entertaining, right. but uh, Twitter's where I do my professional social stuff and LinkedIn yeah. because I just have to. It it has. Yeah, I would have I would have a lot more traction on LinkedIn posting stuff, but it's just for me the the Magento community is still Twitter. And if I yeah. feel like sharing something I'm doing or, or any random thought that I have that I want to share, it comes naturally to me to share it on Twitter. And then, and then at some point I think, well, it probably makes sense to do it on LinkedIn as well, because I have more people yeah. reacting to it there, but, but TikTok just doesn't really, it doesn't really engage me. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really bring me the content that, that really, um, invites me to think about <laughs> yeah stuff. yeah just i think dopamine, it's kind of just dopamine hits yeah i think it's just just personally entertaining it's not really productive from a work standpoint although i've been starting to, to if i see like i for example i saw i i've been starting to think of like repurpose funny videos for like me memes like i saw one that i posted today that was like this ufc fighter and he's going and he's cheering somebody on. He's like, yeah, give him an uppercut, give him a did And then I posted it as a meme. I was like, point of view, when you see somebody pitching Magento against big commerce. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, but but uh, people probably hate that stuff. But um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think it's more just a personal thing. But like, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, if you, it's, it, you know, it's one of those balanced things. It's like, if you spend too much, like there's all sorts of entertainment that you can spend too much time on, or you can kind of spend the right amount of time. Like we all need some entertainment. We all need some, uh, something where we kind of check out, you know, like, like, like I used to be into games when I was a kid, I kind of got out of it, but a lot of people my age and probably especially your age are, are into games. Um, and you know, it just kind of like pick your poison and 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 try not to have too much of it, you know. But uh... yeah, gaming works well for me. When, when during my burnout, I did a lot of gaming because it's just an instant way to shut off my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm if I'm at a good place, I can uh, read a book, and I can really like get lost into the story. But yep. when I have too much on my mind, I just don't shut down. So I, I can't read a yep. book even because yep. I, I finish a page and I, I have no idea yep. what I just read. So I'm just an yep. instant, <laughs> constant yep. repeat of that one page and then I give up. Yep, um, totally. But with gaming, it's just switch on, uh, put on yep. your headset and uh, you're completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, that whole thing of like turning your mind off. Um, like I do, I try to meditate every day and I, and at first it was like torture and I've talked to people about it who are like, yeah, it sucks. It's torture. And then over time, and I started, stopped, started, stopped, started, stopped, and then try different ways. But then eventually 
I feel like I got to where um, it, it helps sometimes, you know, I heard somebody say like, how do you know if meditation is helping or no, how do you know if you're making progress? Cause it can feel very um, unclear, right? Cause all you're doing is sitting there like not thinking or whatever. And, um, and they said, you know, it's gonna, it feels horrible at first, but if you get to the point where you feel like some of the time it helps a little bit, that's the first stage that you know you're making some progress. And um, yeah, like the shutting your mind off thing, I'm, st- mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still horrible at reading books. I can't re- read a book to save my life. And I've tried a couple times and there's this one book I read with my daughter. Well, she reads it to me and we talk about it. And then that's, that's kind of fun. But um, I can't do that. But like going to sleep at night, I used to always have to listen to something. I'd listen to a TV show. Like, um, I think we talked about this, or, or, um, but I finally got to the point where I don't do that anymore. I just play like some rain sounds in the background mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. nothing. And, and sometimes it's hard because your mind is racing. But I, I, I finally got to the point where I can fall asleep without anything, which sounds so basic. But to me, it's like it was a, it was a big milestone, the, just the whole turning your brain off department, you know. Hmm. By the way, how does my audio sound? Because this is a new mic. I'm experimenting with some new mics. It's a bit soft. Uh, um, okay. Um, I'll, I'll balance it out. Um, when we'll I fix it to post. I realize, yeah, literally, I, I'll, I'll normalize it. But like, so when it's closer like this, it probably sounds a little better. You're making it really hard to fix it in post now. <laughs> well, I know. I, th- I think it'll nor. I think it, it'll it'll normalize. Like the normalized yeah, normalization is, is pretty well, good. Well, now it's uh, it's a bit distorted now. Um, okay, gotcha. It's, a, it's like yeah, I, too too directly into the mic. Got it. Yeah, I realized that um, I wanted something wireless because I was so distracted by since I'm so weird and I move around and do weird stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I can't sit still. If I try to sit still and talk, it's like I can't focus. So I realized I need something wireless. So I got this. And then I, anyways, I got to – I'm continuing to iterate on that. Do you uh, do, do you want to go over a couple of things, some innovational things on, on in Magento land? Dude, I, it occurred to me yesterday – that yeah. I don't know why it occurred to me yesterday for the first time. I know we didn't get through the doc last week. It occurred to me we didn't get to the extension of the week. And I was like, dude, that was literally the only thing we should have gotten to. Because the extension of the week is probably the thing that I most frequently remember people liking and enjoying. And I, I would come up with them a lot. And the fact that, you know, you go, Kalen, we're going to do a proper Mage Talk episode. I didn't know what you meant. And then you came with an extension of the week and anti-pattern and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, this is amazing. And then we didn't even get to it last week. So absolutely, let's let's dive into the extension of the week. Cool. So no one would expect me to pitch this one because you could see it as competition of Viva. But I think it's a really good thing for the Magento ecosystem. Um, and this extension of the week is the breeze 
platform or front end, uh, which is um, more of a plugin that you would use with the Luma team that rewrites required JS stuff to. So what they did was not rebuild the whole front end or the whole Luma team, but they re-implemented the JavaScript, um, keeping keeping some of the things intact. So the dependencies, the way that required JS um, uh, has this waterfall of um, well, it can it it can require other libraries, and they kind of rebuilt that with their own logic. Um, I think this is amazing. I, it's it's pretty cool um, that I think this is 99% the work of Vova Yatsyuk. Vova Yatsyuk. He works okay. at Swissup Labs, and that's an extension provider. By the way, um, are you starting to realize now as you're beginning to be the host how hard it is to pronounce anything correctly? And you try to pronounce something and you go, I have no idea if I'm doing this right. I'm pretty sure this was spot on for the Yatsyuk. But the last one, the last person you mentioned, you thought you might have mispronounced. I'm just saying. Ray Bochman? No, 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 no. It was something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was something else. You're starting to feel my pain a little bit is all I'm saying. Ah, the... uh, John Pendergast, but, but that's. That was it. it. You mispronounced his name and his company name. It's um, his company name, Aonark. E I'm sure uh, he he corrected me once, and I immediately forgot what the, what way was to pronounce it. Hundred percent. Irish is just a bit. It's um, it's a bit crazy. A bit in hard. it. In it. But can I can to, I say how good? Yeah. Back to Breeze. Can I say how good their headline is? And I'm a big headline guy. A gentle shift from default Magento front end towards all green performance. It mm -hmm. really spells it out nicely, right? So Huva is probably less, Huva is a more of a dramatic shift. And this, like you're saying, it's more of just, hey, we're going to, we're cleaning up Luma. Um, it's a little bit more straightforward, right? Yeah. So I think the issue that we tackle with Huva is also that people just don't want to work with the Luma stack anymore. Um, totally. Totally. And it's it's painful to optimize, and there's a lot of work that you need to do to get performance better. Uh, what the guys at, at uh, Swiss Up Labs did, or at least what uh, what Fova did, um, was re-implement the slowest parts of Luma, which is the way that Require JS works. That doesn't mean that you get to work with a with a more modern technology stack. You're still stuck with technologies that people stopped using eight years ago, but the fact that they've put so much time and effort into fixing this performance issue for those that are unable to switch to a new front end, um, I think it's still, uh, you need to make extensions compatible with it. They have a couple of extensions, I think, that are listed on, on GitHub that they've made compatible. It's a handful. This is coming from an extension vendor, Swissop Labs. And they tie it into their existing teams and their extensions. So if you're a Swiss Labs user, then it definitely might make sense because everything would more or less work out of the box. But then if you have third-party extensions that you need to use, um, you would need to rewrite them yourself. And the, the benefit that we have with Huva is that 
we are not an extension vendor, so we're not competing with MST, Headworks, etc. So um, we built a community around ah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes the extensions compatible. Now all the extension vendors decided to start making Hoover compatible extensions. Right, um, right, 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 right. So it's kind of a different position, um, and and with Hoover yeah, you have a different technology a... stack that's enjoyable to work with. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, again, I think it's super generous that they, it's, it's in, in a true, true uh, spirit of open source that they built this and open sourced it. And uh, this, this, so is it just open source? It's, puts it's so not much even, work into it. So is it just free? So or they, it's... let me double check that because I was under the assumption. I, I was pretty sure that it was um, because I read an announcement that they open sourced it on, on GitHub. Um, GitHub.com slash breeze front. And there's yep. a bunch of, uh, bunch of repositories you can find there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I see the composer install instructions here, installation. It looks like it's just straight up. Free open source. That's so wild. that's that's really cool. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I um. Wow. Th this is an impressive job on your first extension of the week. Not only is it really good, but you were magnanimous enough to highlight a competitor-ish, which I respect. Um, that's really cool. I think this is this is solving an issue in a Magento community ecosystem as much as you've asked solving an issue and the more the more solutions we have against luma the yeah. better and uh you know i collaborate with few storefronts yeah um we we have this webinar coming up the 30th of august so that's in uh that's next week on yep. tuesday i think yep. um People should subscribe, was, go to magentoassociation.org and yep. subscribe to the webinar because we're going to explain what even is a spa and a PWA and what is happiness yep. and what is microservices and all of that. Yep. And when should you use it or when shouldn't you use it? Yeah. It's funny because I was going back and working on clips of our last episode when we first talked about it and I did one of this. And as I was doing it, um, it occurred to me, it, I kind of, it occurred to me how big of a deal it was because I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like every discussion of PWA headless is so biased and so, you know, it's a business guy pushing something to sell. Um, and I feel like maybe this is the first time that there's people who really understand you know, I, I, the tweet I joke, you know, jokingly posted was like actual nerds that know what they're talking about. Um, really understand, like you've got the agencies that make these actual decisions day to day. We're not talking about an agency who did one implementation of headless and now they're going to give their case study, which is an advertisement, you know, or somebody who's planning it. So it just, um, and I love the vibe between you and Philip. Like, I think I love how collaborative you guys are obviously he's wicked smart you know you're eh, okay but um i think it's uh <laughs> i can't buy yeah you yeah but the, the cool thing is that so so philip and i both obviously are 
biased in the way we both believe in our product, but we also yeah, yeah, both yeah. believe that our product is not the one solution for every merchant. Yeah. Um, and um, we're trying, we're not gonna, we're not gonna steer the webinar with our opinions. Uh, it's yeah. mostly um, letting uh, Christian and uh, Luke and Jesse do the talking. And it's, it's nice if you have Jesse there as well, because he's, uh, he's coming from a whole different perspective. He's of course, a, a trainer that, that gives trainings in, in all of the, the front end solutions in, in Luma in Huva in fuel storefront and PWA wow, studio that's super earlier in Deity. So he knows all of the platforms. He works with all the agencies that work with one or multiple of these solutions. So he knows the stuff. Um, is Deity still so, around? to deal with that it's a bit unclear what the the daily products itself is exactly they have they now have falcon and falcon is uh, mm -hmm. more of a platform that combines as far as i understand it combines erp logic and it, it's more of a middleware layer that ties all of these services together okay um and I don't know if Deity is still the name of the, the front-end solution that's part of Falcon, but at least um, Magento yeah, integration that they changing. had. Yeah. Well, it was Deity and now it's Falcon. Uh, it might still be Deity, but I, I'm pretty sure they pulled the open source code from GitHub at some point. And it's supposed Ooh. to still be available, I think, but it's okay. more close-ish. Close um, right, right, right. right. Um, they're That's definitely cool. still around. Uh, they're yeah, back yeah, in, the, yeah. in the in the in the commerce space. Um, oh, really? They're, oh, yeah, that's they're one right. Of the... That's right. They were. I remember they were announced as basically like the big commerce PWA front go to end. front end. Go like to. like few storefront is kind of the go to front end for uh, shopware. The headless go to front end. Right, um, right, 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 right. Yeah. So I they, they that was pivoted a, really... a bit. Yeah. Totally. And and everybody is going to make their pivots and stuff like that, and that's and that's cool. And um, I think the sweet spot, like you said, you, you're biased, of course. The sweets you can't get a company off the ground without being biased, without believing in what you're doing. Um, but I think the sweet spot is you really believe in what you're doing. You're working your ass off to make it, you know, to grow it. And at the same time, you are not, you know, you're not going to say things that aren't true. You're not going to, you know. If something's the better solution for X, you're going to say, yeah, it's the better solution. You're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to have like a false bravado, but you're going to be confident enough in what you're doing to be able to be honest about, you know, the other options out there. I think that's or, exactly the sweet spot. And both of you guys, I perceive as being exactly in that sweet spot, which isn't always the case for people that are working on products. We, we have to just build the best possible product. And we, we, our claim is that we do everything to our, our best capabilities to make people happy. Yeah. Uh, e-commerce make made happy is our, our slogan. Um, and, um, and if you don't live up to that expectation, uh, you're going to fall hard. Like you can't pretend. Yep. Because it's all open. Like we, we have all of our customers in a Slack talking to each other. Yep. If one is not satisfied, they will all know. And the all of Twitter net and LinkedIn will know. Yep. Yep. Um, 
So we were very much focused on making people happy with our products and doing yeah. the best possible. And, and I think that's something that I, I really have in common with Philip for Rakowski yeah. from Fuel Storefront, because, um, the reason we got talking was because, um, he saw, we had this Twitter exchange where we wrote about headless not being the best solution for every customer. And he agreed and he said, we, it's hurtful for us as a headless storefront if merchants use our solution that shouldn't be using it in the first place because they won't be happy and they will tell other people that they are not happy. So it's up to us to give the best possible, um, the most best possible uh, explanation of what we do and help people to the right solution mm -hmm. and not sell it on a false advertisement because yeah. that, that doesn't lead to happy customers. Totally. Um, all right, should we go to the anti-pattern? Yeah, uh, the anti-pattern of the week. And this is one that we come across uh, quite often that people switch to Huva or have a new storefront and they come to us and say, well, our, our performance, our lighthouse scores are still not green circles. And um, they ask us how they can, how they can improve their front end while in reality it's often the back end that needs to be optimized okay. and you can't have you can optimize your front end as, as much as you want if your if your server render time is six seconds it doesn't matter if the front end loads in one or two seconds because your lighthouse score will be very bad because it already takes six seconds to generate the page on the server side Right. So the answer pattern is improving front-end performance before fixing back-end issues. And if you're, if you're looking at a Magento store that has, I've seen 30-second load times on, on stores on, on Luma uh, that, that I optimized Jeez. by just fixing, fixing one extension that loaded something in the loop, uh, which makes right. me think of even Chaperni and the uh, Load in the Loop podcast that he get, yeah. did together. Yeah. Uh, with okay. Eric Hillman, yeah, they were yeah, great. Yeah. They, they always uh, looked at Magento stores and then uh, did the Blackfire profiling. If you want to learn about optimizing backend performance, go to YouTube and search for Load in the Loop, mm -hmm. and you get a whole series of uh, of recordings that Ivan and Eric did, where they actually show how to debug yeah. uh, backend performance issues. Yeah. So uh, yeah. not using varnish, uh, not having your, your caching mechanisms in place, having images that are way too big are all issues that, that if you don't do that well, those issues are so big that it, it makes no sense to optimize the front end before you tackle those issues. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, is there, is there, I keep thinking one thing that would be good for Magento, one of the other little business ideas I had once upon a time was to have a service that just focuses on helping people optimize their 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 stores front end focused back end focused is there is there like a go to i mean i know that every agency does performance audits and stuff like that and they're basically you know generally just kind of lead generation to try to get more work from the client is my perception but like is there a go to person who like who w would be the person to do performance optimizations? Yes, there is. 
Um, that person is Erwin Hoffman. And of course, he's a Dutch guy. Yeah, I, I, I connected uh, with him, but he's front end focused, right? Yes, he is. Well, yeah, I think you would go to him to get um, get uh, an audit of your front end performance. But in that process, he will identify your back end loading times and, and issues oh, that will. you have there. Okay. Um, but but uh, he's e-commerce specialized, so um, he might. I'm not. It's a good one. I'm not sure how far into backend. I know he's super technical, but I don't know if he is that technical that he will profile right. your Magento backend and fix those issues. Right, uh, but there right, right. are there are, there's a couple of agencies that do independent auditing of your shop, including mm -hmm. performance audits. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll leave it to the listeners to to Google for those agencies and, and find one that's suitable for you because there's a, there's a couple. Uh, I, I won't play favorites, but there are uh, there are quite some agencies that that uh, focus on performance. And often, um, what I mentioned, a, a shop having a thirty second load time, um, that was something that with a little of profiling with Blackfire, I fixed in in an hour. Right, uh, and got right, it down right, to right. eight seconds, and then some additional additional fixes brought that down to an average of two seconds. I think it was a B two B shop that had a lot of custom. They did price fetching from their ERP, and there was no middle right. layer, so there was a lot of API calls going directly to their <laughs> to their ERP system. Right, um, wild. Things like fetching fetching a review average score from an API in the front end and not caching that result. So for every visitor that hits right. a Magento page that it's not cached yet, did a API call to, I think it was Keo or another review system, Trustpilot. Um, yep. Just putting that into a cron job and doing that API call in a cron job once an hour or once a day and fetching that data from the database that's that saved at least a second in the front end on any uncached page nice. so that's that's pretty ridiculous yeah that's awesome um but there's people specialized in in, uh, in that and while we're talking on performance uh, there's one thing i had in the doc that i wanted to bring up which was a piece of innovation that uh, hypernode came with oh cool um uh, Hypernode, a Dutch uh, Magento hosting uh, provider, they merged with Hypex, which was, I think, the second largest Magento hosting provider in the Netherlands. So uh, they're both, yeah, both now part of the Blue Group, and that's that's all that's, uh, under the name Hypernode. Um, and I know that Hypex uh, worked for a long time on the on a front end performance tool. Mm -hmm. that would improve your Luma performance without touching any of the code. Um, and they finalized that tool now that they're merged with Hypernode. Um, they have um, something that's called the Hypernode Page Speed Booster. Yeah. And they launched that just one or two weeks ago. At least they, they started blogging about it publicly. Um, and what's interesting there is that they have a set of optimizations that they do that are on the edge, kind of. So mm -hmm. it's not on the server rendering, but it's actually on the on the on um, the delivery. Mm -hmm. So they cache. Um, 
it's something that I had in my mind years ago as well. Like, what mm -hmm. if you, if the first person gets a page that's uncached, but then you analyze the page and save that, you do an Ajax request to the server to, mm -hmm. to store some of the data in the front end, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. things that were loaded and optimize that. And mm -hmm. they now, um, with with the page speed booster from Hypernode, uh, the first person that visits the page gets the regular performance, but mm -hmm. then that response before that served to the customer or the visitor, it's being stored, I guess, in varnish or something. Um, mm -hmm. And they um, they run some optimizations on the images that are being loaded, so they rewrite mm -hmm. all the images to the right. Uh, to the resolution of your visitor, so the, the, the mm -hmm. screen resolution. Um, mm -hmm. And they do things like analyzing what JavaScript files were loaded mm -hmm. and then add those to the, the pre-connect headers of the page. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can add metadata to a page that tells your browser to start fetching JavaScript right. files even right, right, before right. You, the browser rendered the page and, right. and found out via require.js which files are actually being are are, are needed right um so it's pretty, That's pretty cool pretty cool so that they built that it, into it does it have any yeah. magento specific stuff or is it just more at yeah. the javascript level and stuff like that no they, they built this specifically for uh, magento Mm -hmm. And they call it the optimization as a service. So it's an additional package that you take on top of a, a Hypernode hosting package. Mm -hmm. um, they put all of these optimization tasks into a, a kind of a cron job or a backend worker mm -hmm. um, that improves the performance of the page that already has been served to a visitor. Mm -hmm. um, That's cool. It and, sounds... Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a little foggy. It's been a while since I've gotten to the details of like varnish and hole punching and stuff, but it sounds, it sounds like kind of basically varnish with like a CDN image type stuff. Um, but if they, if they do that all for you in a way that like just works out of the box, because normally like when I had set yeah. like when I set up varnish the last time I was with a merchant, I had to go in and fix certain mod get certain things to work get certain modules to work and stuff like that and it requires it's one of the most expensive yeah. things is to optimize your luma store for performance so anything literally anything that's being done to solve those issues uh i'm a fan of yeah um and the things that they that they list us as what they what they optimize is the the javascript so they're minimizing and deferring it to optimize for first content for paint they do the DNS pre-connect. So what I just said, like if they see that you're using a particular Google font, they will make sure that the DNS records are already looked up and there's already a connection being made to the Google server so that once the page realizes that it's using a Google font, otherwise it would need to do a DNS lookup that's a couple of milliseconds before it can actually download right. the font. So there's a bit of back and forth between servers. Um, right. And that, or between your browser and the server, and that can all be optimized, uh, which you do in a quite quite clever way. Um, they do CSS cool. optimization by by creating critical CSS automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, they optimize the images, as I already said, turn it into AVIF AVIF format. Um, they shrink What's the that? HTML, 
And in case of a PWA, they do JavaScript conversion to HTML. So they, they basically even build SSR rendering for PWA into that. So it's, it's, uh, it, it, I think it's, it goes quite deep into the optimization and it's just, I, it looks like it's plug and play. So you just pay for it and it's all taken care of, which That's might be cool. the be better solution for you than to spend thousands of euros on a developer optimizing each of these things. Yeah, um, that's so cool, man. Yeah. That's neat. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to dig piece into this of, a little bit. Piece of page, innovation. Is it the page speed booster? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Hypernode? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. That's really cool. Okay. Quick meta that was question. That's another cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Quick no, meta question. Uh, how, I'm I'm cool with longer episodes. I know some people like kind of limiting to an hour episode, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but I'm I have I mean I have time. I'm good. So I'm curious what you think about going over. We went over an hour last time, so I'm cool with that. But I'm curious your thoughts. If at this point you're listening and you're tired, pause. <laughs> And come back, come back tomorrow. <laughs> Just pause it. Yeah, agree. <laughs> um, totally, man. Yeah, no, because I think in the past I've done content overload where, like, I, I did daily podcasts and stuff like that. And I think, obviously, this isn't daily, so that's good. But, um, but yeah. Um, cool. I often listen to podcasts, uh, not, not in a single run, but just bits by bits when I have time. Yeah, yeah, when I drive my car, and that's a, that's a fifty minute drive, so I, I I can't listen to a full podcast in my car anyway. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, uh, what else, what do we got next? I see we've got recession topics, Oracle Commerce. Uh, any? Yeah, how much how much do you know about Oracle Commerce? Because um, I didn't know that Very much about little. it until. Very little. Yeah. I know oh, do you want to they're... talk about the Smith Buckland thing? I know we had started on that last time, and then I do want to leave it alone. <laughs> uh, we can, we can, but do we do we now skip over Oracle Commerce? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's do Oracle. Let's do since we started it. Let's do Oracle. Sorry, I'm, ju I'm jumping. I'm getting jumpy. Yeah, let's say the bare minimum about it. Uh, there was some news last week, which I haven't been able to verify. That I didn't see any additional sources, but someone heard from someone heard from multiple sources that uh, Oracle Commerce Cloud were, uh, had their clock being pulled. Um, and all that I know is that Oracle Commerce is competing. They're on the level to compete with Adobe B2B and Salesforce, I guess. Um, and uh, right. yeah, it was interesting to me to see that they they just, they, they seemingly announced not to continue working on it. They're not bringing out a new roadmap. They're gonna maybe sunset it or just not updated anymore and keep it running for as long as they have customers, uh, which is extraordinary, I think, for a product of that size. Mm -hmm. um, and I put it, I, I put it in the doc under the the head, uh, the heading recession, 
where I also put Shopify layoffs. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And uh, it it was it, it was in the same week that the news of uh, Oracle and uh, Shopify shrinking their their employees. Um, right. Right. So it felt like there was a bit of a movement, uh, people anticipating to a uh, recession and um, yeah, it's crazy times. I don't know how, how your shopping expenses are, your grocery expenses, but here I'm, I'm, I'm seeing 50% higher prices for our yeah. weekly groceries. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things are up. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. The recession in general, um, or the inflation, all that kind of stuff is is um, is kind of brutal. I um, I have a, I mean, I have a hard time imagining uh, entire commerce product closes down from the recession. I mean, I don't think. I mean, it'd have to be a really bad recession. The layoffs, I think, you could probably uh, attribute to a recession, but um, mm -hmm. there's got to be something weird going on if they just completely closed Oracle commerce. That's so wild. Um, yeah. Um, the Oracle probably, they, they have reasons that they had coming probably. Um, but it would be interesting to, to hear from someone that's, uh, that has worked with Oracle and knows a bit more bit more about that yeah uh, I, I wasn't able to find more it's so entirely out of my social bubble yeah yeah, um, yeah. um so i don't know if you know aaron sheehan yeah he was... he, he uh he reshared that on linkedin yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually where that's I, where that's, i found the post yeah yeah that's why i'm looking at it is his, his repost yeah, yeah yeah so he um he obviously was with classy llama magenta into magento and then he um and then he, uh, now, right? he's at big commerce now before that he was with, um, Merkel. He was doing, he, he went from doing a lot of Magento stuff, obviously some big commerce stuff at classy. And then I think he got into doing a lot of Salesforce commerce stuff. And mm -hmm. now he's at, um, big commerce. I didn't really, for some reason, I thought he was a solutions architect, but uh, I'm just seeing he's the director of competitive strategy, which is, um, which is interesting before that at Merkel, which was DEG. I don't know if you knew anybody from DEG, yeah. but I there were some really cool guys I knew from there. And um, so he was the director of solutions delivery there. So all that to say, and I'm just kind of looking at the comments, like he's probably the guy that would that would know um, quite a bit about this. Um, yeah, DEG looks like he did a lot of Salesforce stuff, and now he's into BigCommerce. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he had experience with uh, Oracle or he just found it interesting. Sorry, I was just sorry. Uh, um, the, uh, I don't know if you know Isaiah Bollinger with Trellis. You ever heard of? No. No, um, maybe not. Um, they, um, they're a decent size agency also. You know, did a lot of Magento in the past. I, I've done a couple podcasts with him, but um, he's a he's a good dude. And um, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 for sure. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't quite catch that, but I know. Uh, yeah, I know him. You, you have a podcast coming up next week. Uh, I read right. 
Yeah, yeah. We were just talking uh, yesterday um, about the Gartner report, and we were talking. We yeah. were kind of talking about. I don't know if he specifically has a lot of experience with um, with uh, with Oracle Commerce, but he they they focus a lot on B two B and stuff like that. And I think he has a lot of experience with a number of different platforms. Um, and so we're going to kind of like roast the Gartner report. I think I think it's yeah. going to be kind of kind of interesting. So that should be kind of fun. Yeah, what I what I really dislike, the Gartner report is so influential in the development of the products. Like, yeah, uh, you can really see that platforms are implementing features or growing to a certain direction just to hit that sweet spot on the Gartner quadrant. Right. Um, and they dictate composable commerce. They, they predict that everything is moving in that direction. And I don't, I don't, yeah, I have thoughts about composable commerce. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And of course yeah. it's different. There's different approaches to it. If you define it as composable commerce and it becomes part of your strategy and tooling around it. But as I said before, we've, we've composed microservices for a long time, also with monoliths. So that's not, not much new, but they, um, they set kind of the, the specs or the, 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 they define the rules for what your technology stack should look like. And then everyone just follows because next year they need to be in a sweet spot on the Gartner yeah. quadrants. It's a strange thing because people say pay so much attention to it. I guess it's at a certain le a certain level in the C-suite of certain size companies pay a lot of attention to it. Then those of us that mm -hmm. are in whatever community we're in, open source, um, we're not we're not in the C-suite of hundred million dollar companies, whatever level mm -hmm. that we're in, we all think it's totally ridiculous. And I think we're mostly right. I mean, I'm sure there's some mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some grain of truth to some of it, but it's, it, it, it's like Google search results. You know, everybody's trying to hack it, you know, and I don't, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is sort of what I assume is that like, you know, they kind of are, so I remember hearing that like the e-commerce platforms would have somebody that sort of has a point of contact with whoever's doing the Gartner report or they, they, they kind of communicate, mm. you know what I mean? And I don't know, it just seems like this funny game that they play to get a certain position in there. And it's not really truly objective. Um, so I, you know, but I, yeah, really. it, it, it plays to a certain market, that, which is quite high up end, I think, yeah. uh, for the typical SMB merchant. I think it's hurtful when a platform decides to purely serve that magical, that, 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 that quadrant, <laughs> the Gartner yeah. quadrant, um, right. and, and skip it's the another religion. of the We're small... talking about religions. It's another, it's another little mini religion. Yeah. I mean, if that means that you're skipping such a large open source community and their needs, because you need to gain that position in the quadrant. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's hurtful for a lot of businesses. Yeah.
Yeah. And then the the Shopify layoff, I think that's that's a typical effect of. So they, they, I I read that they said they made prognosis before or during Corona COVID, and uh, they projected the growth that they were seeing that that would hold on for a longer time, and they now realize that growth wasn't as big. So they they hired in advance to to ride that wave, and uh, they needed to to uh, cut expenses there because they hired to over eagerly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's a, a sign of uh, of recession, but at least uh, it's a sign that the e-commerce market is no longer growing as hard as when we're at peak COVID yeah. times. Well, and I'm um, kind of just, um, I'm kind of like, wait, like things have kind of leveled out, whether you're talking about e-commerce, real estate, you know, th- like, like Austin real estate is kind of leveled out, but I'm still expecting mm-hmm. things to take a dive at some point. And it doesn't even, Me too, yeah. it doesn't even seem like, I mean, I guess Shopify firing a thousand people is a dive, but then of course they, they did the Clavio investment for a hundred yeah. mil, hundred million right after. So it's like, what, what? It's like, what, what is even happening here? Um, but I don't know. Those are kind of two separate things. I mean, I don't really know much about this, but those are kind of two separate things. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, um, it's it's still still strange times. Um, I'm wondering if how COVID evolves from here and what the winter will look like. And uh, winter is coming. On... <laughs> There's an ongoing war which is so, so deeply saddening that this is yeah. happening today and uh, we're all yeah. affected by it, but uh, nothing comparable by the misery that Ukrainians are, are going through right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it um, seems like we're, we're not at the end of it yet and uh, economies are, are falling. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's like, um, you know, you at some point you kind of have to, it's like, you kind of have to move on with life, you know, like you have to, um, not to be glib about it. I mean, even when you think about yourself dying, like you have to on some level realize that when you die, people are going to move on. You know, like, yeah, hopefully they'll cry for a little bit <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then people are going to have to just move on with their lives. Otherwise they can't function, you know? Um, yeah, we, we were really a bit in a shock at the beginning of the year when the war started and uh, we kind of halted all our social media and everything. We started donating to Ukraine yeah. um, and um we have regular contact with people from Ukraine, so we kind of know like how how they see how they see the international uh, what's what's happening internationally, yeah. and the way we see it currently is that Ukrainians are not helped by us um, us not doing our regular business, our day to day business. Um, and by 
in our case, in the Magento world, Ukraine is, plays a very important role in the Magento community as their core development team came from there. And today, a lot of those core developers are working at agencies and companies in Ukraine. Yeah. So there's still a really big driving force um, to the Magento ecosystem. Yeah. And if, if we don't keep business going as usual, they lose work. And we yeah. saw at the beginning of the war that a lot of them got projects canceled and we yeah. made an effort of getting those agencies some extra work. And with Huva, we have the supplier page where you can find an agency and we put Ukraine to the top there. Whenever I get an email from a merchant asking for a developer, I always first suggest the agency from Ukraine. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to help in, in any way that we can. Um, but yeah, we try to validate, like, it feels so weird to be at a conference and having fun and partying while, while yeah. that is going on in Ukraine. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we, we're helping in a way we're helping Ukrainian people by keeping Magento, uh, prosperous, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. keeping it healthy and making sure that their jobs are secured and we have a healthy ecosystem. Yeah. So uh, totally. that's the way we try to contribute to that and be respectful to what's happening there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little counterintuitive sometimes when you think about it, but, but, uh, the way you laid it out, that makes, makes perfect sense. Um, well, why don't we wrap it up? Any, any last things we want to, we want to touch on here? Well, we did promise to talk a bit about the association. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it proper. That would be hilarious if we, every single episode, we kind of, <laughs> we kind of go, we kind of go, all right, well, let's not talk about it. Okay. Well, and then we talk about it a little bit and we, we just do that every single time for like 10 weeks in a row. Um, all right. So yeah, last time we left off on it, you were saying that you had some, I was kind of saying like, listen, this is probably a standard line item. I know it seems like a lot of money. It's probably just very standard and it's kind of not a big deal. And then you were saying you kind of had some specific thoughts there. Yeah. Um, so, so the thing is the Magento association, Magento association, um, is a company in a sense that needs to be run, um, and there's people actually working in the organization that um, that are coming in through Smith Buckland. So there was um, the financial statements uh, were published from the association, and uh, uh, on Twitter people um, talked about the nine hundred thousand euros dollars that went to Smith Bucklin over the course of the first two, three years, mm -hmm. um, which seems like a very, which is a very high amount. Uh, it's a lot of money at least. Um, but th that number wasn't split out into, into details where, where that money went to. And, um, the, I think the important thing that to realize is that uh, Smith Bucklin 
um, handles a lot of the infrastructure and a lot of the publishing and marketing. And um, they, they set all the agendas for meetings and attend all of the meetings and write, um, uh, write the summaries after the meetings. Um, so there's, there's a big chunk of money going to newsletters being sent out every month. Um, or big chunk. I mean, that's, that's one of the costs that they have. They have content services for publishing articles, uh, two to three times those, a month. So those newsletters that I see and completely ignore, those are, those are not cheap is what, is what we're saying. Those emails. Well, they cost money because they're being redacted. Um, yeah. someone's, someone is formatting those, uh, that's being paid for the service that's being used to, to send it. They have a, they have a platform for the website that is actually a, a community tool where I think there's a lot of things that that platform can do. That's not being leveraged right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's one of the things that I, I, I just had one board meeting so far, and it was mostly, uh, the topic was mostly around, uh, the new board members, welcome, welcoming them and talking about, uh, the work that's being done on the open source task force, uh, and where that's how that is going to move forward. Um, so there was a little bit of talk about the financials and, um, how that's moving forward. Uh, but I, I just got access to, to a bit more of the documentation of the association and to see how, how the organization is, is built up. And one of the things that we've talked about is, um, uh, uh making effort of the, the transparency, um, of the association and what they do and how the organization is structured and everything. Right. Um, so what, what. I think a good first step is that there was a very lengthy blog post about, um, uh, the process of the election. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, Andreas, uh, uh, von Stutnic, um, he mm -hmm. wrote that blog post, uh, he was on the committee. Um, mm -hmm. but we're, uh, we've discussed, uh, that we should, we should try and, and bring out news as much as possible and, and, and explain what, what's going on on the inside of the association. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that they, they could do better, or we could do better is, uh, explain how these, these uh, costs are, are built up. Um, and I, I want to have a good look at, at these services, like the one that they use for publishing the website, because it's costly and it takes long to have uh have changing changes um being made to the website they actually need to email someone to ask to add an agenda item to the home page um well, enterprising. the whole the whole situation is yeah enterprising. Uh, i think uh since they're not leveraging the the um, the membership uh features that they that that platform offers and they they put that into patreon which I also think could be done in a, in maybe in a more efficient way, but, uh, that website could be WordPress a standard WordPress team that you set up in an hour and just yeah. migrate the content and you'd be off, uh, a thousand X cheaper than, than what's currently being. What paid. you're so, saying is you I, could have, you could have done in a weekend what they charged 900 grand for. That's what we're saying here. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that's a little bit of I a guess, joke. Like, um, 
Yeah, but these things, I mean, at that scale, you have certain expectations when you set up an organization and you think, well, we need this system. These are the requirements. We need to do memberships yeah. and, and payments and everything. So this is the best suited platform for that. And we're expecting 50,000 people to join this platform. And then three years later, there's maybe 500 people and they're not using the platform for membership. So right. maybe we should evaluate if that's still the best platform and, and cut some costs there. Um, right. But yeah, um, this, it, it's all, it's all still quite new to me being on the inside of the association, but I'm planning to get a lot of questions answered, um, and, uh, and see as my understanding of the association grows, I would like to also, um, publish that somewhere and make sure that it, it becomes more transparent. Nice. Um, yeah, that's one of my missions. Uh, I, I guess we can we can come Fair back enough. to that uh, at a later point. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. So just generally more transparency. Some of these things are um, like I, I can understand why they're using tools that are a little more enterprisey. Things are not cheap, um, and maybe if we can get some of these things a little more transparent, we can go. Okay, hey guys, instead of spending five thousand dollars for somebody to send out an email. You know, let's let's pay Kalen five bucks to do it for us. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, uh, I mean, in the end, it's an organization, and an organization needs to be organized, and someone needs to actually right. do the work. And since the board members are all volunteers, and and we meet once a month for an hour, there's nothing you can do in that time. And we can we can go into committees and and have meetings and 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 uh, make progress there but that's not doing the administration and planning and and running the organization itself so um and all the content publishing and everything yeah i think it's one so of those it, scenarios it would be a big restructure to 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 do this differently because who else would do it if if smith Buckland wasn't doing it you would need to hire the people to do the jobs that are currently being done. And the right. issue currently is that no one knows what jobs are being done. So yeah. why does it cost money? Well, this work that's being done. Well, what's the work? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. transparent. We don't know. Yeah, so totally. it, it starts with transparency and then we can better understand where, where time is being spent and uh, where the money goes to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a good approach. I had something I was going to say, but then I forgot it. All right. Well, I think that that was good. I think that was a good, I think we did it. Oh, I know what I was going to say. If I can be brutally honest, um, yeah. uh, I think it's a case where everybody has the best of intentions, but nothing's mm -hmm. getting done. And not mm -hmm. nothing in the literal sense, but for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but it's like um, things are not moving forward. In the, in, in yeah, and I'm I'm trying to get a grip on that and see what how that could potentially be fixed. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's partly uh, lacking independence or lacking. Uh, maybe it needs an actual leader that that takes uh, takes the lead there. And, I'm trying really hard um, not to use a certain phrase that you don't like. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking. Um, you know what I'm thinking. Well, uh, I I can't be I I can't be that person for multiple. I couldn't be that for Major for our own organization that we set up because I am 
I am leading Huva and there's so much yeah. I think that needs key, to be done at the Huva end. Um, I think I yeah. think the, I think the key is ownership, right? Like if if somebody had the ability to actually make things happen, the ability to go, okay, uh, spending too much money on this thing, email, here's how we're gonna do it. Like, but I'm I'm assuming that you've got a committee of people. They all have the best intentions. Nobody really, nobody really has ownership. They all have their own businesses, their own things they're focused on, you know, and I'm sure they all have the best intentions. But if you had some way for a person or a small, smaller group of people to go, all right, here's it needs to get done. Let's actually mm-hmm. start getting things done efficiently. Um, I, I don't know how that happens. And I, and I could, yeah. it's easy to criticize, you know, it's hard to actually do deal with an organization at that scale. So, so yeah, it's easy for me to criticize to actually do it is a, is what you're doing, which I think is cool. And the, the, the difficult thing is, um, the difficult thing is that Smith Bucklin is, is doing the actual work, but they don't have that full understanding of the community and the product because they're not, they're not coming from the community yeah, as, yeah, yeah, as yeah, a, yeah. Someone that that's touched the product for for ten they're years. Like a, they're and like I, a hired hand, so to speak. They're just yeah. They're and just doing I'm not job. saying that they're they're doing what they do that they're doing that poorly, but I think what the MA needs to to make progress and be more successful would be someone that does understand the community and Magento. Of course, that of course has the time and the funds. Ideally, he would be hired for X amount of hours a week to organize it, to take the lead yeah. there. And, um, yep. yeah, somebody, yeah, that, so that's, somebody um... that, somebody that gets the community, somebody that mm-hmm. cares about it, can get things done and then give them the keys. If, if, mm-hmm. if all they can do is, is give their opinion. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure every single person on the association could do that if they had the keys, if they were able, if they had the ability to make the decisions to do, to do stuff. Um, so there's a lot of yeah. people that could do it, but you kind of need somebody to just start doing, doing stuff. But, but yeah, um, you need somebody that gets the community and, and can just do it. You know, um, I think you said that a little more eloquently than I did, but I'm working on only a few hours of sleep. So um, on that note, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think we're going to wrap up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Well, it's a pleasure as always. And uh, see you next week. Thanks for listening.